Hi, we are doing a quick segment about Dark Mouse, The Climb and Other Tales, a project currently on Kickstarter that is going to end on May 5th. It is a wonderful story created by Nathaniel Osoyo, and he's poured a lot of love into this book. It is Dark Mouse, The Climb and Other Tales on Kickstarter. It's also under projects we love on Kickstarter, so usually on the front of the Kickstarter page. Congratulations to Nathaniel. Hello, all you sexy listeners. We have a huge announcement. For the first time ever, all the hosts of Yes, a Stripper podcast will be doing a live show on May 15th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our hosts will be doing performances, there will be guest interviews, and you'll get to ask questions live on the air with our hosts. Tickets are donation-based, and you can find them on yesastripperpodcast.com. Please join us for the first ever All Hopra's Extravaganza. Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 150. That's 150, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Un dólar cincuenta centavos. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, guys. How's everything going? I can't believe it's 150. Like when comic books have this kind of milestone, like it's an extra long issue or it costs more or something like we should have we it's, should like I should have taken a shower or something. <laughs> it's a double thick issue. I didn't take a shower Incredible. either. I know. <laughs> I, I took a nap before this. I think that's a celebration in and of itself. True. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. No, I also took a nap. Oh, the only person that is here, like working at superhero level, is Kristen. She got back from the Festival of Books at USC with her booth for uh, Heidi Ho's uh, comic shop. So that's been yes. pretty amazing. Yes. Uh, Festival of Books happens once a year. And of course, had not happened the last couple of years because of COVID. And so um, this is the first year that we've done it in a while. And I fact, in fact, I think maybe even in 2019, we skipped it for some reason. I don't remember uh, why or if that's even true, if I'm misremembering, because I, I seem to block this uh, festival out of my mind. After It's like childbirth. It, it's like so traumatizing while it's happening. But then after it's done, all you remember is... The good stuff, like all the money we made and all the books we sold. <laughs> so, um, but today was the first day, and I, I actually, uh, we got there at eight o'clock this morning, and then it ended at six, and then I hurried home to. Well, we packed up everything uh, and locked it up for tomorrow, and then we hurried home, and uh, now I am doing the podcast. So, and I feel surprisingly pretty like awake and energetic so i keep yawning but it's just i feel fine (laughs) now i know i know i know how you mean (laughs) i know we've all been to the festival of books at one time or another can you guys recall like one of your favorite uh, memories from festival of books so i've been going to festival of books since it transferred over from ucla to usc 
And I think this is the first year that I've missed actually oh, going. Wow. Um, uh, well, like the pandemic, like first of all, like stopped it for a bit. Um, so I've been going since I, since I was a kid. Uh, and to me, the most standout memory, uh, there's there's two actually. Um, one when Cornelia Funk appeared and I had her sign my book that I have kept since fifth grade. Like she wrote a book called Dragon Rider that I think oh. is actually now has a Netflix cartoon. Wow. Um, and I oh god, when did she when did she appear? She she came like I wanted to say like in like two thousand fourteen. Yeah, so like I was already like I was already like an adult and I like in college, but I remember going like to like when they when they were in they had like her like uh, they interviewed her and then like to the signing later. I waited. Uh, I waited in line like, and it was a big line too for her to sign my book. And when she signed it, she was just like, "Oh my god, you like you you've had this book for a long time, huh?" And I was just like, "Yes, I have. It was my favorite childhood book. It is the reason that I like dragons so much." And um, uh, and she was just like, she she was just like, "Well, thank you for loving this book." Like for a very long time uh and i was like and i that i'll keep that memory with me forever Aww. because like she yeah it was really really great the other f- memory that i have is um, um taking my siblings with me like when they were pretty young and this is when i used to like read to them uh and i would like buy them books and stuff like that so there's specifically like a children's mm-hmm. section in the festival of books and so I would go with them there, and there uh, I took them both to go see um, uh, Pseudonymous Bosch, uh, who like wrote the a mystery, like that was like that was like his like writer name, uh, and but they um uh, they specifically wrote like kind of like like Lemony Snicket mm-hmm, kind of books, mm-hmm. and my little sister she was so so excited because that was one of the few books that she would actually read and as a kid too. Um, um, so like I bought her the full set, uh, but and I was a teenager during, uh, when that happened. So I, I, I had like saved, I would always save up money that I would like get from helping my parents and stuff like that, uh, for the festival of books. And I bought her like a full set of the, of this person's books, uh, and had them signed for her. And she still has them. She still has them like, uh. She doesn't. She doesn't particularly read them, but she she remembers that as well, uh, and my little brother does too. That's so cool. My favorite memory of the festival of books was um, I was in my early twenties, and I went with one of my best friends, and he took his sister, and um, that particular festival book, Sandra Cisneros was going to read from her new book that was coming out. Um, she wrote a house on Mango Street and other stories like that. And it was like the first time I kind of saw myself in books. Um, so it was just such a treat to get to meet her. And even back then when social media wasn't a thing, I would always carry a camera or a disposable camera because pictures were a lot to me. Uh, I always used to look at my mom's books and was like, oh, you know, I need to build memories like this. So I was carrying a disposable camera and I was able to take a group picture with Sandra Cisneros. So that was one of my favorite memories of the festival books. What about oh, you, that's Kristen? Cool. Well, like I had mentioned earlier, um, I've only been to, I didn't grow up in LA area, so I've only been to the Festival Books as 
uh, booth exhibitor. And when we are there, I never leave the booth other than to get something for lunch or to go to the bathroom. But the four to five booths that I pass on the way to the bathroom, (laughs) I always, uh, you know, look at and I don't have time to actually stop or talk. But um, one of the cool things about where our booth is located is that it is near one of the smaller, well, it's actually near the main stage, but there's a smaller stage behind us. And the very first year we did it, was it the first year or the second year? I don't know, but one of the first years that we did it, um, Billy Idol was there uh, with his book that he wrote, his uh, autobiography called Dancing With Myself. Uh, and he did a little uh, concert. So we could hear <gasps> Billy Idol doing a small little concert in our booth. Uh, and that was really cool. That So that's one of my favorite memories. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's so funny how we casually like say a lot of these like names of like, I remember Rick Riordan was there. I I know that a lot of like Hollywood actors who have like written books or like are out promoting their books also make it to uh, the Mm -hmm. Festival of Books. Like there is, (laughs) there's a lot of famous people who go to this, who go to this thing at, and it's like right there, right on USC. Although USC has changed a bit too it would, did you guys have to go through the security checkpoints no mm-mm. no okay so at least they made that a bit easier. not as exhibitors we know. didn't i don't because we were there super mm-hmm. early on campus so i don't know if everybody else had to mm-hmm. you might have or they might have just been uh lax on the rules again because they have they have gotten a lot more stricter about who can access the mm-hmm. campus now interesting which, like, makes sense. There have been some murders going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And I know Kristen has some chisme, but I have some chisme as well. Um, I've seen you guys have heard Ezra Miller, who is the actor who has portrayed um, The Flash, has been arrested a second time in yep. Hawaii. He's been pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, I I believe they are now uh, thinking of, of actually replacing him as The Flash in future. First of all, he is not The Flash. I get so annoyed. Annoyed at DC for not following in Marvel's footsteps and using the same actors that they use in their TV shows as they do in their movies. You know that I watched a whole entire DC film and someone said, and then The Flash. I'm like, what are you talking about, The Flash? And they're like, yeah, The Flash, when he was on the screen, I'm like, I didn't see The Flash. And he's like, yeah, the guy running really fast. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so when they, when I think it was Eddie, when he explained it to me, I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, that's not the same dude that I see on TV. So anyway, that's why he's getting arrested. Like, I, I'm salty and I, and I personally... Um, held him responsible for ruining my DC uh, movie watching experience. (laughs) Incredible. Wow. Yeah. So I love that for you. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You know, curse is put on you because you've ruined uh, (laughs) the, the flash for Kristen. So, but uh, yeah, his uh, (laughs) he's been arrested for disorderly conduct, March the 28th. They filed a restraining order. I mean, it's just gone really, really crazy. And right now everybody's saying that his um, actual um, career has been put on pause by, um, whatever entities are over there at Warner Brothers. So um, I'm not sure what's going on with him. 
Uh, I'm sure something's going on that we don't know about. I don't even (laughs) know who that dude is when somebody... We we actually use this as the cheeseman for our Tuesday show. And uh, and I was like, who's that? And so perfect opportunity, Warner Brothers, for bringing the actor who plays Barry Allen on the TV show into the movies. There. Done. You're welcome. (laughs) It's... It's sad. It's hilarious. So I'm Ezra Miller. He played he he played somebody on Lord of the Rings, didn't he? I don't think on Lord oh. of the Rings. No, he was really mm-hmm. young. I don't know. No, but he's uh. been in such. I mean, he's he's been in a uh, Tales of oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Wallflower. Uh, was it oh, called? oh yeah, Perks of Being uh, a Wallflower. Yeah, the Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, it was in Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I never saw I that. I see that. There's Justice League, Trainwreck. <laughs> Like is that the name of the movie or what they're calling his <laughs> no that was the choice. name of a movie the movie the movie is named train wreck but you know what justice league was a train wreck you're absolutely completely right yeah so um okay. i mean i like him as an actor and i like you know he has a really great style and fashion and stuff well, pox and, on your house uh, for speaking those words and <laughs> and um you know he he i think he also identifies as pansexual so i just thought it would be it was like kind of kind of cool you know but um there's obviously something going on there and uh, that's 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 the cheese i have because i i was just like i mean sure dc movies were not that good but i mean it put you in some kind of like you know way to your career and i just thought that it was upwards from here but i mean maybe there's something going on with him and hopefully he gets help but that's my cheese but kristen you have some cheese as well my cheese is super sad for me anyway because it came out this last week that there's going to be no season two of hawkeye what why oh yes i don't know they did not say why um but no season two so i don't know if there have been any plans for either of those characters to uh be involved in any other mcu stuff coming out or anything but um i was mentioning to eddie maybe it's because just like uh robert downey jr and uh What's his name? Wolverine dude. Um, <laughs> what, what's what's my boyfriend? The man name? you were in love with? I know. I was like, what's my boyfriend's name? <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Hugh Jackman. All the people who are basically quote unquote aging out of their <laughs> of their roles. Jeremy Renner is right up there with them. So um, not only that, didn't he have that one like? court case he did have yeah, something weird were going on. on i remember S- some yeah. some cocaine thing i think uh do, do yeah. you think that has so to do with maybe it? i don't know who knows or maybe that's why they didn't decide to renew it because they were just like okay like until you figure your shit out and like don't like sully our name yeah like get your shit together and then maybe we'll do a season two <sighs> who knows well kate kate's uh uh character um has some potential for continuing on because we know that um, America is going to be seen here pretty soon and that's her BFF so I think that um, or not I think that I hope that um, we do see more of that actress in the Kate Bishop role but um, I I really enjoyed that 
TV series. And I know that there were a lot of people who kind of gave it some thumbs down and um, weren't really uh, into the changes that they made, which, okay, 100%, I do. Uh, I did like the book better and I did like the um, relationship development better uh, in the the comics but um, I enjoyed seeing Kate and her character development in uh, the TV show and um, was hoping to see more of her coming into her, her own uh, so anyway that's my cheese and I'm very upset about it question you people have actually seen Hawkeye does he have his dog yeah Yes, he does. He does. Yes. Uh-huh. He does. Is there a dog episode? There's, no, uh-uh. there's. You got to tell me now. You're legally obligated to tell me there's a dog. Episode. <laughs> you know, I no, can't there's remember. Not just but a dog episode. No, no, not no. just a dog episode. I mean, no. the dog. Uh, immediately, immediately, uh, Hawkeye is bad. <laughs> Read the comic book. Read Matt Fraction's run of Hawkeye. It has a dog episode. So I mean, yeah, definitely it could be, it could be the fact that Jeremy Renner had some allegations with like yeah. drug, alcohol, and cocaine use, and I think there was some like allegations some... from his ex-wife. Right, was, uh, I was gonna say some, there's, some there was abuse. some kind of abuse stuff going on. I yes, remember. yeah. So maybe that has a little bit to do with it. But I really enjoyed the show. I also enjoyed the fact that they brought like uh, Wilson Fisk in it. Um, the, from the uh, TV show. So, like, I really enjoyed that crossover, and I thought it was going to go somewhere. And I, I, I like Kate Bishop as a character. I enjoyed uh, Black Widow's sister. Um, oh, yes. I she, loved her. So, I hadn't seen Black Widow before I saw the TV show. And mm-hmm. I mentioned it to, I think I might have even mentioned it to you. Uh, and I asked you, was she in the, in the movie? And you're oh, like, oh, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. that's what actually prompted me to go back and watch Black Widow because she, that actress, did such a freaking amazing job in the TV show that it made me go back and watch Black Widow. And I loved Black Widow. Um, both, I would say she made the movie for me. Like, of course, uh, yes, Black Widow yes. was the main titular character, but that the sister and the relationship and just her character development uh, throughout that movie, um, I just really loved her a lot, and I'd love to see more of that uh, character in more of the TV shows and movies. Yeah, and that's why I was really happy I saw her in the Hawkeye one because then mm-hmm. I thought, oh, good, we don't have to wait for a movie to see her again and she yeah. could be on the show. But now they're canceling season two and yeah. now I'm really salty <laughs> about it. But whatever, yeah. I guess, whatever. But okay, I have Moon Knight right now, so I'm good. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? We're behind. But- I think we're like two episodes behind. Oh, you're so lucky because I keep refreshing and, <laughs> and knowing that it comes out on Wednesday. Wednesday I still. Yeah. I still keep refreshing. I don't know why. I don't know. I have problems. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that has been our chisme. All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? So On My Radar this week is a book that tricked me. It's a book called The Secret History of the War on Weed. Now, when I ordered this book, I was like, hmm, this sounds very educational. I bet it's going to teach me about the socioeconomic politics uh, of the 80s and the drug war and the just say no and blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then, uh, actually, um, the 
artist, Scott Koblish, contacted Heidi Ho. I was like, hey, you know, this book is coming out. Can we do a signing? I was like, oh, yeah, sure. So um, this book is written by, and this should have been my guess, actually, or this should have been a, a, a hint as to the fact that this was not, in fact, in fact, an educational book. Um, <laughs> Jerry Dugan and um, Brian Posehn um, were the writers. Now, if you don't know those names, all three of those names and how they fit together, they um, worked on a very long, very popular, very successful run of Deadpool. And so, um, given... De what you know about Deadpool, um, I also might have realized that this book was not what I thought it was originally. So I sat down and I go to open it and granted the very first page was um, pretty educational. We did get some, some uh, information about the 80s and about the war on drugs and stuff like that, but that's where it stopped. So this is a completely fictional um, comic basically taking place in 1985. Um, it's completely fiction. Um, and the first lady who at the time was Nancy Reagan, and that's who's depicted in this book, she decides that she wants to crush Northern American cannabis farmers. And to do so, she deploys the biggest dude and tool and weapon that the U.S. military has in their arsenal, and it is a character, the main character of the story called Scotch McTiernan. So this book is basically kind of a parody of like those 1980s films like Rambo and um, <laughs> and like what are some other ones uh, where the it's just like a, a big ex-military commando. commando. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. And he goes out and he's like just going to kill everybody and he's going to raise the fields and and he gets captured <laughs> and of course <laughs> he gets captured what do the hippies in Humboldt do they force him to get high <laughs> and so, in Humboldt and so when he gets high of course he has this epiphany of like how amazing life is and how he's going about this all wrong and so they basically change him and he he becomes a hippie and is living on the commune uh and um is loving living his best life and so the the government has to send more people after him now to go after him so this book was so freaking funny i was shocked at how much I enjoyed it because those Commando Rambo things, um, while I love them in, in, in movies, like I grew up on it. I'm an 80s kid. I, I enjoy it. But in my comic books, I comp if I see a uh, Rob Liefeld cover, it turns me off right away. And I'm like, nope. And like this kind of was like what it reminded me of when I saw the art on the front cover. So I just was surprised at how much I loved the story, um, how much I laughed out loud. Um, one of my favorite lines was, um, your happy days are over, Fonzie. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. So, uh, so anyway, I 
This is on my radar. I highly recommend it. It's a one shot, so you don't even have to uh, subscribe to it. And it's only $4.99. It's a 80 page comic for $4.99. So not only are you getting a good story and a funny story, but you're getting a deal. So, um, and in addition, there are activity pages. Like, it's just like. It was just so great. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. And um, a portion of the proceeds of this comic are going to be donated to organizations dedicated to helping casualties of America's immoral drug war. So go to your local shop. If you're in the Heidi Ho area, Santa Monica, California, we actually have signed copies by Scott Koblish uh, still in the shop. And you can pick up your very own copy of The Secret History of the War on Weed. All right, guys, it is time. It is that time. What time is it, Kristen? Es la hora de la cervecita. Cervecita. And I'm so excited today. Yes. (laughs) Because this this beer, first of all, it's a Torrance Brewery. Absolution is here. Um, My favorite thing about Absolution, besides the beer, is the sign over the bathroom door that says recycled beer. <laughs> um, you know, I just dis- I discovered Absolution from Groupon because uh, oh. we purchased Groupon for uh, Absolution and also for dudes, and it was my brother's birthday, and a group of us just oh, went cool. kind of bar hopping, not mm-hmm. well, beer hopping, right? Yeah. <laughs> Brewery shop, I don't know, whatever. But uh, yeah, that's how I discovered Absolution, and they have a really beautiful uh, setup there. But anyway, mm-hmm. continue. Mm-hmm. So this is an Absolution Brewing Company beer brewed right here in Torrance, California. And it is Cerveza de Champurrado. Oh, my God. My mouth just watered even saying it. And I'm looking at the pictures uh, of the ingredients on the can. And I'm looking at the picture of the actual beer with this thick head, just like going over the side of the glass and and just slowly oh <laughs> working its way down oh my goodness it looks so delicious now if this beer is gross i'm gonna be so sad <laughs> but this is apparently something called a pastry stout which i have heard before and i think i may have even tried we have tried before i feel like um but this pastry stout is made with piloncillo cinnamon clove and chocolate i used to get the little piloncillo and just eat it by myself i just used to like just with my teeth i would scrape it and then just suck suck it off my teeth (laughs) but just (laughs) as a little kid i would oh my god so good so anyway that is the beer we are trying it is 8.3 8.3 ABV, so it's pretty hefty, and I mean, it is a stout, so I'm looking forward to it. Jen even uh, got up to get herself a glass so she could pour it in. I did. <laughs> oh, my God. It smells amazing, guys. Have you oh tried my this God. before, Sarah? Um, I have not. I, oh, um, okay. You know what? The craziest thing I was I was searching back in my memory banks, and I just realized, even though um, 
like this is Absolution is a local brewery. We have not reviewed anything from Absolution. Oh, really? Oh. So, so I'm just like really excited because I, I, I am a fan of Absolution. I'm just yeah, me too. really surprised I haven't. And this one I picked up at um, Caps and Corks in Torrance. Oh. And I saw Absolution. I'm like, first of all, I, I want to review it because it's from Absolution. Second of all, I'm glad they started canning. Oh, wow, that looks amazing. And third of all, Cerveza Champurrado, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here for it. But it smells amazing. I have not had this before, but I'm so excited to try it. You know what I would love is oh. if that that big, thick, foamy head actually formed a film just like it does on real champurrado when you get it. After it sits mm. for a while, there's like that film that forms on top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. La nata. <laughs> it looks very fizzy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I poured it uh, well this time, so it didn't form a big head. But it, I almost feel like this one should have a head just for the... Uh, the nutty thick I'm not, texture. This is the first time, like, because I poured myself and I poured it a little bit so that it would have some head, so it kind of looks like what we see on the can. Mm-hmm. Um, and the head tastes good. I should have. <laughs> the first I time you'll ever have. hear me say this. The head tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing! And now I'm sorry I didn't put any head in it, but now I know that if this is on tap, it's definitely gonna be really the first good. glass I have. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I haven't had absolution in a few years because, I mean, we haven't been going out to breweries. But, my God, this is uh, if there's putting this out to kind of introduce this this brewery, it's amazing. Um, and the fact I, that they use Piloncillo. Yeah, it's I've only been to absolution in person once, but I have tried uh, a different amount of beers when uh, Torrance Beer Cellar were still in existence. Um, they would carry a pretty good uh, uh, amount of their beers, and I would try different ones. And I feel like also um, the, uh, what do you call it, uh, Tortilla Cantina, they have absolution different beers on tap all the time. So I feel like I've drank enough uh, of absolution to kind of have an idea of what they do. But this seems like so like uh, outside of the box and it just is so good. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's it, delicious. It almost seems like a love letter from them to everybody. Like it just <laughs> feels like it's so made out of love. Like they, I don't know if they consulted or what but they this 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 brew is like giving me some feels here like it's really good so what i like about it is that no coffee taste first of all so that's one thing that i like about it but i really was afraid it was going to be sweet um because i i don't Mm. really unless i'm drinking a shandy or something then yeah then and i expect the sweetness but i don't particularly like my beer sweet Um, Uh and so I was afraid that it was going to be, but it's not, it's the right amount of hint of the flavors of those things that they're using, the piloncillo, the cinnamon, the clove, the chocolate. Um, and it, uh, the chocolate is what I, I taste dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The chocolate is what really comes across, uh, when you're drinking this. But you can taste everything. Mm-hmm. The piloncillo, mm-hmm. the cinnamon, the cloves. Like, you can taste everything. It's just that the chocolate comes across 
more often. And the, just drinking this has reminded me that I haven't had champurrado in a mm. while. And I want no it. No champurrado in San Jose. <laughs> Man, I don't know where the Mexicans are. I... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but I feel so bad. <laughs> no, it's tr- like it's true. It's and I like I I always like bemoan this. I'm just like I don't know where the Mexicans are. Like I'm like I'm saying this teary eyed. Like where are they? Where have they gone? I get Where's it. Where's my tamales in the morning, man? I get it. Though. I miss them. I get yeah. it. So uh, on our way back from San Diego Comic Con, Frank and I, uh, we didn't go to Barrio Logan. It was one of the times we had parked north of the, the convention center. Mm-hmm. So we're like, it's San Diego. It's close to the border. We're going to find tacos anywhere. Tell me why we went to three different spots and the tacos were not good. Aww. I'm just like, what is going on? They should be tasting just like Mexico. Yeah. It's right across the it, it's across the street. Mexico's yeah. across the street. Why are your tacos <laughs> like why are they so white? Yeah. Because San Diego is such a touristy location. Like I had the same exact response to going to um, Old Town, which is like it, it is modeled completely after uh uh old mexico old california uh and the food was horrible and i was Uh. like even the little lady who was in the little uh hutch making fresh tortillas it was not the same like years ago i'd gone and it was so good and this time it would just tasted like store-bought even though i watched her do it right there it wasn't the same (laughs) Because the ingredients were probably store-bought. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. They substitute ingredients for them to be like... One of the things I noticed when we do free comic book day at Heidi Hole and we pass out uh, conchas, mm-hmm. first thing is, what's in this? What are the ingredients? Yeah. I can't Can have I give sugar. this to my kid? Yeah. I know. Or is it gluten-free? No. <laughs> no, homie. It's a concha. No. It's a concha. You don't ask what's it's in it. You, you don't eat it. You never ask. You... As far as you look, here's the relationship, and I have strong feelings about this because my parents are street vendors, and whenever somebody would ask, one, they're trying to steal the recipe. Two, you don't need to know, homie. Um, uh, uh, and it's the fact that does it taste good? Yes. Then do you truly want to know what's in here? No, you don't. So <laughs> shut your mouth. Give me your money. You get your food. This is a one-one transaction. Yes. You are not getting any secrets from here, right? Because you, I'm like, not speaking. On behalf of my mother, but I'm pretty sure, like, some of the people who I bought food from, I didn't know if they bathed. I didn't know if they washed their hands. <laughs> I don't know how their house is. I don't know how their kitchen looks like. Yeah. But I have an idea, and you know what? I'd rather not yeah. know. Just give me the food. <laughs> I know. What time? You, know, you know what's the secret ingredient where it doesn't taste the same when you're making it? It's because there's not sweat in it. That's why. <laughs> Whether that's good or bad, that's up to you. <laughs> so... Anyway. This could be literal or figurative. <laughs> so having said that, I mean, yes, a lot of people substitute certain ingredients for it to be healthy, quote unquote, yeah. or within their diet restrictions, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, no, I feel for you, Jen, not knowing where the Mexicans are in San Jose. I, I totally <laughs> feel you. I 
I have been in that situations in some towns and I'm just like, why doesn't it taste amazing? Like one time we went to Rosarito and we had some tacos like on the street, like mm -hmm. on the street. And they were fucking the best shit ever. And then my aunt made a comment. She's like, what if they're made out of cat? And I'm like, this is the most delicious cat I've ever had. <laughs> like, I give honest, no fucks. Like, honest to God. I like, know. Why you, why, why you, why are you worrying about it? Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, is it delicious? Just eat it then. Buy some more if you. Yeah, we. And it was so, only question it when it tastes bad. Yes, That's it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. But yeah. Anyway, needless to say, this beer and the taste that it has inside has inspired this conversation of genuine Mexican cuisine. Yes. Which, I mean, it, I I can only I can't even explain to you how amazing this beer is. I. Did not expect to love it so much. Honestly, I thought it was going to be so. This is why I left it. We've I've had this. We've had this in the refrigerator for like two months. <laughs> um, and the reason that I didn't pick it to, for us to review it is I hadn't given it to Jen and I hadn't and I barely just gave it to Kristen. But the reason I did that is because it says pastry stout. And for me, yeah. that that only meant that it was going to be super sweet, sort of mm -hmm. like the peanut butter and jelly one we had. That oh, was really that super sweet. That one was sweet. great. <laughs> I know, exactly. That one was good. So yeah, see, and then we I had... don't make sense when I review beers because that one was good, but it was like shockingly yes. good. Yes, that like was I a shocker. What was that? You know what? You know which one that I've been like actually thinking about is that raspberry one that we had a while back. Mm. Was it the raspberry from the mountains of Alaska? Oh no, a different raspberry oh, one. Different Although raspberry that last Alaska raspberry one was really really good. That one too. I'll yeah. probably I'll have to look through our uh, Instagram for the picture that we took of oh, it. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Shit was good. Yeah, yeah we and this this one this one's really good too. I am like this is all right either. Someone in Absolution is a Mexican. Yes. Or they know a Mexican. Um, um, or they're like or married to Mexican. I don't or, know, yeah, but they some... have the secrets. They have the secrets. And you know what? Kudos to you. You've made a good beer. Yeah. You did. You yeah. really knocked it out of the park. I am really shocked yeah. that this is so good. Um, I I don't know. I'm thinking one of the master brewers or something is Mexican or whatever. But yeah, man, or or they did their homework or they lived in Mexico for some time. I don't know, but they really <laughs> knocked it out of the park. Um, but mm -hmm. like as we said, you could definitely. I mean, I'm definitely tasting that chocolate. Como like when you're when you when you hit it with the. Okay, so the, the chocolate comes in this like round disc, mm -hmm. and then the discs has some grooves, right? Everybody knows that. But what we did because we didn't ha you used the whole chocolate we smacked it with a cuchara the um a wood cuchara and we just smacked it to so so they can break in those like triangles so that we could use you smaller didn't use a knife? no no i didn't use a knife we smacked it like bass with the cuchara <laughs> and uh, that makes sense yeah. we always use the back of the knife to like smack it oh okay no no we used the cuchara because yeah. we had a lot of wooden cucharas used for cooking and for spankiness but whatever <laughs> um but um I really get that strong taste of that chocolate, that bitter chocolate before sugar, before, Ugh. you know, all the ingredients come I together. I love that stuff. I know there's some moralistic thing against abuel, uh, what is it? Abuelitas? What is it? Abuelita. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all about Ibarra, baby. That it's not owned by uh, Mexicans Mexico? anymore or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. um, 
I loved that stuff as a kid. I would take the whole block out and I wouldn't even cut the pieces. I would just start eating it. <laughs> you start munching on it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I would ask my grandma yeah. all the time to buy it, but not because I wanted her to make it for me. I just wanted to eat it like candy. Oh, so good. Oh, but yeah, no, it, uh, strong memories and uh, uncorked, unleashed, un, you know, just, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, and that and also just thinking about food because now we're thinking about like champurrado, we're thinking about tacos, you know, like, so, I mean, this, this brew has really definitely given us a lot of gifts. So are we actually ready to rate it? Yes. We got to work on our rating yeah. system, but I don't think it matters to me today because I'm going full Super Saiyan. <laughs> same. Same. Absolutely the same. Like, I had no, no... Honestly, this surprised me. I know. I, I do it. Like I said, I kept seeing it. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready to taste that yet. I'm not ready to taste. So I kept putting it back and back until finally it was like, you know what? We got to review it. Jen already has it in her hands in San Jose. Let's just do it. Um, and even as I chose it, I was still kind of apprehensive because, again, you know, like pastry stout. But my God, did it just blow my mind. So super sane across the board. Congratulations, Absolution. You have blown our mind. And that has been our beer review. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today, guys? So today we are reviewing Memories from Limon by Edo Breñez. I hope I said that right. I'm going to I'm going to add the accented in because I'm Hispanic. <laughs> um, um, and if it isn't, well, my bad, bro. Um uh you need to clarify more. Uh but this is this was published by No Brow. Yeah, No Brow. And uh, here's the back matter for it. Struggle in paradise. Welcome to love and life in Limon. Ramiro leaves the British drizzle and his beloved fiance, Jos, to uncover his family history back home in Costa Rica. Looking through a stack of family albums and interviewing the older generations, he begins to unravel the fascinating stories behind the faded photographs. However... This treasure trove of old family portraits leads Ramiro down a winding path of revelations, superstitions, and hidden truths. Some will make him laugh. Some will change his life forever. Set in one of the most beautiful countries in Latin America, author Edo Breñez weaves together the heartbreaking and humbling stories of three generations of the same family. Well... (laughs) <laughs> I was really excited to read this book because Costa Rica is a neighboring country of um, Nicaragua. And mm. I have been in places in Nicaragua, beaches in Nicaragua, where Frank says, see over there, see over the, those mountains right there? I'm like, yes, that's already Costa Rica. So it's mm. like, I could, I mean, if I had a, a nice throwing hand, I could probably throw a, a, a stone over to Costa Rica. Um, but... Um, it has always been an interest uh, to me. Um, Costa Rica is actually more tourist uh, friendly than Nicaragua. Nicaragua is not very tourist friendly at all. Um, but Costa Rica has been one of those places that have benefited from tourists as far as like roads um, and like really just really friendly stuff. Um, so I, wa- I really was excited to read this book. Um, 
And the fact, again, you guys know that a writer slash artist of their very own book, I just think the world of them because Mm -hmm. they're doing two jobs in one. And I was really, really, really excited to read it. I got to say, it did not disappoint. (laughs) I loved the picture. Um, It's it's sort of weird. Like the panels, there, there are some of the panels that are, there's dialogue in them, but they use like the pictures that, of course his mom took or so they superimpose kind of those images with somewhat of a narration of the story and I thought that was really clever Um, I saw some of the pictures and I saw some of the clothing and stuff like that and it reminded me of my mom's photo albums so I really really I love that part Um, I got a little bit confused because there's so many characters in this in this story that basically it's tales or memories de limon so it's a lot of different memories a lot of different aunts and uncles and cousins and all of that and so we're trying to piece that all together um and in the middle of it i really love the story um about the chicken (laughs) there was a story about a chicken that got like abducted and then lived inside the house and then there was some superstition stuff and i thought that was super charming but um let me tell you Towards the end of the story, some really hardcore cheesemic comes out from the family darkest secrets and darkest secrets. I don't know how to say it. like it's just it's so juicy. Shit gets real. It gets so real. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> let me real. tell you guys. I was reading it and I gasped and I said, <laughs> I did oh, too. <laughs> shit. And yeah. my husband turns to me and says, What? What happened? And I go, Oh my god, blah blah blah. And he goes, blah 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 and i go yeah dude (laughs) and he goes he goes well you be sure to tell the girls how i feel about that and so even my husband i mean i was so like shocked that i had a physical reaction to reading this book that my husband picked up on it then then he had something to say about it so this just tells you like even a person that was just right there in the same room while i was reading it had a reaction to the story and it was just freaking amazing so i really really love this book what about you guys so after uh, reading the Diaz de Consuelo book a couple of weeks ago, um, we've kind of been on a uh, a track of like uh, nonfiction or fictionalized nonfiction or whatever type stuff, but with a lot of like uh, cultural history. And so yes. uh, when we when we picked this book, we kind of picked it with that in mind because we've really been enjoying that. And I didn't yes. know what we were going to get. And I I loved. OK, so the the creator, this is kind of like a a a biography that he wanted to write. He was a writer. He wanted to make this book and uh, living in uh, what in the UK. He was living in uh, London. London. Not in London. He's actually to. He's going to go to not Cambridge, but uh, I'll look it up. But just yeah, he's in London. Well, that's he's he's in. Yeah. So he he was over there, (laughs) and um, (laughs) he goes back to the homeland of his family. Uh, and not only his family, but his wife's as well. I think his wife was also from there because he mentioned maybe wanting to move back. And she said that 
you know, she loved both places. She liked both countries. Yeah. yeah. So um, I believe. Yeah, it is Cambridge. He's from Cambridge. Yeah. He comes from Cambridge. Yeah. But uh, um, so anyway, he goes there because he has this idea that he wants to write this story about his family and his family's history and basically is doing exactly what I was lamenting that I'd never done while my grandmother and grandfather were still alive and he is going and he's getting oral histories from all of his still living family members and while doing that they're sharing with him stories that he'd never heard before stories that were um um, just, you know, of everyday mundane things that they used to do, you know, going and playing as kids or going to the market or whatever. And um, he was, uh, he created family trees of both his mother and father's side and um, shares it in the book. And you kind of get to follow along with the people that he's meeting and talking to and the stories that he's hearing. And they're sharing with him pictures. Um, I really thought that that was super cool that um, there was uh, somebody, what was somebody in his family that had a camera? And at the time, it was like the only person in the village or something that had a camera. And yes, his mother's dad purchased a camera at the ports. Uh huh. So, um, so the story that comes out, uh, is a story of two brothers, a story of love, there's a love story, and then there is a story of just unbridled, passionate, crazy uh, reality TV show fodder. Oh my God! Yes, yeah. I, you know what? You're absolutely right. That is absolutely right. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> and just like Sarah, when I read the words of the revelation of what he learns, I was like, "Oh my God!" Because here we are reading this book, but obviously it's based on true stories. It's based on his actual. Uh, experience when he goes to Costa Rica and uh so I can only imagine what it was like for him as he's realizing and being told what he was told and I just was like oh, I did too I gasped and said oh my god <laughs> and I just I don't even know how to explain how it was like I'm a big huge reality TV show buff and watcher and it was like uh, this was better than reality TV it, it is reality first yes, of all because yes. it's a biography mm -hmm. but it was like I was getting my reality TV fix in my comic book and I don't even know what's better like that's me living my best life right there <laughs> yes yes <laughs> reading a comic book that is like rea the reality TV shows that I watch and you know the cool thing about this book is like at the beginning it takes you to to little like uh antidotes uh, like a little memories and down memory lane like like you know like bikes having to have license plates because there were no cars on the island and like all these little soft like what should i say soft core like cute stories like memories like the deal like oh i remember this picture and just going off into a story tangent whatever yeah but then mm -hmm. when it got to the juicy part it was so shocking it really just slapped me in the face honestly <laughs> like 
And yeah. it just, when I was thinking, oh, my favorite part is the chicken because it was so superstitious and all that stuff. And I just thought that's my favorite part. But then this other part came in and like a wave, like a tidal wave. And it just slapped me in the face. And I was like, oh, my God, I just, oh, my God, maybe I should reread this again <laughs> because it's amazing. What do you think, Jen? Um, so I, I enjoyed reading it. I was telling, actually, I was telling Kristen and Sarah that I, I had read it last night and I was like, I don't remember what happened. And then Kristen told me and then I was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't like, even like the, the like big, like super like twist in it, um, uh, was uh it just reminded me um um and i told sarah and Kristen about this too is that there's a difference when you go to the homeland country when you're a child and then when you're an adult um uh, and i have experiences because i first went to guatemala when i was like uh 12 13 around there and i've like gone repeatedly since i've actually gone more times than any of my siblings uh and i like i i like i love the mother country but once you go like once you go as an adult like for sure like you're an adult and you have that mentality you start to realize shit like you start to either like somebody tells you or they say like hey you should probably know and why they decide to tell you is another thing oh yeah family dynamics are interesting in latin american countries um, uh, and, uh, as I was reading it, it just reminded me a lot because, and especially they remind me of something my mother said, and it was that there's a reason people leave. Mm. Oh, what that reason is, whether it's war, whether it's politics, whether it's interpersonal, whether it's like outside of their control, that depends, that varies, but there's always a reason. There's a reason they leave. Now, whether that reason is like drama or whether it's like yeah like hey the country's in civil war and turmoil and you need to get out <laughs> um, um there is always a reason don't think don't think that a lo- that a lot of i think knowing how prideful people are of their countries uh well, and stuff like that there's always a reason that they leave and that reason is usually very 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 big um um and I think this book just proves that uh, as well. It's and it's 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 funny because we call it reality of, t- of TV, but it's not outside the norm to think about mm-hmm. um, uh, that something like this could occur, which makes it even tastier. <laughs> um, um, like because it's really like to share like a little bit. It just like it reminded me like like even like figuring out my own like history. Uh, and, like, medical history mm-hmm. from my family as well was a trial in and of itself when I would go. Like, I had to, like, be, like, freaking, like, Nancy Drew kind of, like, <laughs> like uh, Sherlock Holmes-style kind of detective when I was, uh, when I went to Guatemala as, like, the first time as an adult. And I asked questions uh, to find out that my my family has a history of depression. Mm-hmm. and But they would just call it, oh, like, people, like... People like oh like they were sick. That one of my um, my one of my mother's um uh, I think one of her cousins yeah her cousins so which would make her like my second cousin mm-hmm. first cousin no not first cousin second, like my yeah. second cousin um yeah my second cousin um 
she had like I remember she had uh, like I was a child when I had met her but she had told my mom she was just like I'm glad I got to see you one last time because next time you come I don't think I'll be here what um uh sorry yeah and then like yeah next time we find out is that she died Mm. um but no one wants to they just say that she was sick but then I have a strong suspicion that she committed suicide Mm. But they don't say that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, like I said, and then, like, figuring out, like, hey, like, this isn't, like, they said, like, yeah, her mother's like that. Like, you know, like, you had, like, other, like, other aunts that were like that. And I'm just uh, like, oh, so depression runs in the family is, like, what I, like, what I'm, what I'm seeing here. So, I was just uh, like, my condition is not out of the norm mm-hmm. for my family. <laughs> but, like, that's stuff that you discover that uh, I think... Especially, like, people, again, we're going back to, like, being, like, first, second, third generation again. Like, you you want to know these things, especially because you want to, like, figure, like, figure out, like, one, the dynamics, but two, like, your own, like, medical, like, history or your own, like, kind of, like, <laughs> hey, maybe I shouldn't even return to the country kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, of course. Because there are some... There are some people who like they they discover that, but you like you don't know that until like you're there, mm-hmm. and so just finding out is I really find it funny because whenever I tell people oh, like I go to like I go to Guadalajara, they're like oh my god you're going to like it must be so nice and relaxing and I'm like yes it is and it's like the food is tasty and wonderful, but there's always this degree of emotional labor mm-hmm. that goes into when you're visiting your home country. Uh, as well because you're going to meet family and and that means all the messy things involved with family mm-hmm. um i like that so that, like, I, that what you're saying sorry to interrupt you but uh i have to remember that emotional labor because i feel like that clearly defines or signifies what a lot of uh latinos who leave home uh, feel when they go back because because of the close-knit family, because of the way that you certain things aren't said or because of the religious constrictions or whatever. And then you go off and you start to experience the world as an individual and learn and change and do things. But when you go home, it's exactly the same way and you're expected to just fall in line. Oh, yep. absolutely. I mean, and if you don't fall in line, they treat you different. And and, they treat and, you different. and maybe they even modify the way they live their lives to kind of sort of uh, accommodate you. Like, for instance, I went to my uh, um, uh, my Tio Nacho's house and he has been had been a man who never wore shoes, but was a really like rich man in the town. And so like we were sit my uh, my brother and I were sitting in his kitchen and all these women were serving us like all his wife and then his kids' wives were all like calentando tortillas, serving us and everything. And my uncle made it a point to say, like, the women don't sit here. Like, they they don't sit here, but we know that you're different. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, I, I should feel privileged. And even though they're serving a lot of chili, I have to eat it now because, like, I, at that time, <laughs> I didn't eat, like, really spicy stuff, but I was, like, making it a real effort on my part because it was, like, a real big deal for them for me to oh, be yeah. sitting at that table. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that mm-hmm. kind of little stuff, you know? 
Yeah, and it's really funny because like when I like I go home and I and I, um, when uh, and it's funny too because like I go home like Guatemala uh and it's stuff like that and it's like there's this sense of of like being like you're a guest mm-hmm. like your family but you're a guest mm-hmm. um um and I got a lot of that from the book too as well um. And so you like you kind of have to come to terms with that too, of like, is your place here? Like, is it? How long can you stay? Like, because in the book he stays there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and like some of my trips would would be like months, like yeah, it would be like months long. And usually, I like I told my mom I was like I don't think I can do more than like a week and a half or like may possibly like two weeks. Uh, more instance to go to Guatemala because I do love going there. But one, two, one, two things actually. Like I like after about a week, I start breaking out into rashes and I start getting sick. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should actually like go to the doctor and be like, hey, I need a shot or something like medicine before I need to go. But two, after that much after that amount of time, it stops the it kind of stops feeling like. They want you there. Oh, that might be my yeah. own perception. <laughs> no, no, it's. It yeah. might be my own perception, yeah. but because like they have lives and stuff like yeah. that, and they can only set apart so much time because at the same time it's just like they they have lives. They got to go to work. They have to like go to like or specifically like my uh, like my family. They would have to go back to work, back to tilling the field, back to cooking, cleaning, like doing the basic like household stuff. And then after that, you're kind of like in the way unless you can contribute something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like pretty sure most of the family thinks my mom is lying when I say that I can cook. Like I can cook <laughs> on a stovetop. Oh yeah, I can cook on a stovetop. Cooking on a plancha though, oh man, like I'm fucking lost, man. Cause or like I'm a like a cooking on a hearth. Forget it. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That is some old school world shit technique. And like, I'm gonna leave it to the professionals because I am not. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I went to Chile one time and um, I was really surprised that they had like a, a fire, a, a log, a, a wood burning stove. And I was like, I can't measure this. I... <laughs> I can't I can't cook anything on this. How do I lower the the the, you know, the heat? Like the fuck? <laughs> That's you have to figure it out. It's like uh yeah. no, I'm not cooking. Sorry. But yeah. Oh man, I remember them making fun of how I made tortillas because I could not make them round. Uh, Mine yeah. are always lopsided. Well, mine are always and there's lopsided my freaking too. like there there's my 10-year-old cousin making perfectly round tortillas and then they're like they, and you can and I can tell that they're laughing at my lopsided ones and I'm just so Taste like Taste the same don't bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they place a lot of uh, importance in those things. But like we live a different life. We're in a different country. It's completely different. We don't we I mean, we're lucky if we even have a comal that that works well with our, you know, stovetop, whatever. So, I mean, I mean, and to one of the things I told my husband, I said, you know what, they're never going to understand until they're here. So, like, please put in the paperwork to bring your mom over here because I really want her to see how hard we work. Mm. And that's why we're not good at other things that are so simple for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what I'm trying to say here is that this book has inspired a lot of like inter 
searching of ourselves and of ourselves going back to the motherland like Jen says and like all these little like things that we don't know how to do and all these other things that you know the family struggles with over there and um just kind of like I mean basically it almost felt like he was I mean he's definitely visiting and he's definitely gathering information and it's something that I would love to do um but um you know, I don't think they made him like make tortillas or anything like that, or casamiento or, or, <laughs> because uh, Gallo Pinto is in Nicaragua, casamiento is in Costa Rica, like it, like all those little things. But uh, one of the things I really, really loved, we haven't even talked about the artwork. I really love how, like, oh yeah, um, the things that we're looking up in the past, like the stories that he is digging up, are in like kind of like a. Um, kind of like a honey kind of browns and greens and then the the actual time that we're living in it's sort of more of like uh, um, blues and kind of a pastels kind of uh, so so he definitely you know how like in the movies when you're like in different countries or whatever like in traffic where they had different uh, hues for the film in different parts of the country this is kind of happening with this book where like the memories are in a different color as the real life what's happening and i think that really breaks up the 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 book really good because i mean there's so much content that sometimes you could just like really get lost in it but i think the color use in the artwork really helps to propel the story and not get us confused with like the characters and what's going on so i really really enjoyed that and then there's even a third kind of hue where it's a bit more like almost black and white whitish kind of like in pictures where uh some of the uh, memories take place like the one about the pig which i thought was funny <laughs> uh, but um i think their use their use of color in this storytelling technique i think is really favorable and it really really brings out the story in itself and i think it really helps propel the story um I think what he has done here has really been amazing. Like, this is something that I would aspire to do. Like, go back to the uh, Latinango and, like, talk to some uncles and stuff like that. I mean, Mitio Nacho has passed away. And so, like, I can't talk to him now. But I maybe can talk to other, his sons and kind of get the story from them. But um, I think this, this was, <laughs> although it was full of a lot of drama at the end, I think it was full of a lot of beautiful memories throughout the comic book. So I was really, really happy with that. What about you guys? What did you guys think? Well, I I mean, I think I already talked about how I just loved it all, even though I'm latching on to the, the cheesement part of it. The stories that were told were just beautiful. <laughs> and the process by which I know he received those stories are just amazing. I mean, you always hear, and I know that, people used to tell me all the time you know talk to your grandma get those stories before she's gone because then you know you're never going to get them and you kind of were just like you know what there's time for that but the truth of the matter is is that you never know and so if you have the time just take it and I really I really appreciated and almost even felt jealous of the fact that this author had that opportunity um, and had so many living relatives still that he could go home and, and go back and talk to um but the one question I had was, obviously his mother was still alive when he learned all this information, um, and a lot of the family members told him straight out, don't tell your mom. 
But then he wrote this book. So I want to know what happened between when he found out and when the book came out. That's some deep conversations we should be having. <laughs> well, the perspective that we have... Okay, So the creator of this is Edo Breñas, and he's obviously doing it from the perspective of, uh, of Ramirez um, uh, in, in the book. So... Um, uh, whether this is actually the creator's like actual story or whether he picked it apart from his own life, we don't know. But at the same time, that is kind of also the view that we get is that Ramirez is going there for a story and stuff like that. Uh, so who knows? Who knows? That's I wanna, true. I, I do want to ask. I, I do want to ask Edo Bareñas, hey, is this like personal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why you... Like I mean, it makes it makes for a great story, or maybe it really he, does. Or maybe he found the notes of Ramiro, and that's where that came from. I mean, who knows? Okay, because you're right. I did not realize this. I didn't realize it either all. until you just freaking said it. In my mind, it was the author. Oh my god! Yes, who, who was writing the story about himself? Until you just said it, I'm like, that's right. The names are completely freaking different. So yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I gotta read it I mean, again it's, now. It's some good stuff. So I mean, I'm convinced that Edo Breñas got some stuff mm-hmm. from his own like history. Edo, please. We need to know. Come <laughs> email us, send us a message. We just want to know is, how much of this is like actually like is it is it real? Okay, it's on real. the binding of the book, does it say fiction or nonfiction? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't say it at all. It says uh, it's just says graphic novel. Ugh. Okay, I gotta Google it now. We'll see. I'm upset now. This better mm. be true cheese myth. I got. I, I. I was very emotionally invested in this story. Me too. And now, and now I feel like I've. I've had the wool pulled over my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you know it's good. Yes. You thought it was real. Yeah. And it could be real. It could be very real. I know, like, there's definitely some stories, like, from my own family and from what I've heard from other people, too, where shit is like, oh, shit's real. <laughs> so, um, well, at no, the I end, really enjoyed it. In the back page, I'm so sorry, where he's like, Edo Breñas, a uh, Costa Rican artist. And then at the very bottom, it says, uh, his thanks, uh, like uh let's see um to everyone, to everyone has been in the, my process of making graphic novels in one way or another silvia olivia ramon so i don't know no sé <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh, anyway he did a good job of uh like like Kristen and pulling the wool over my yes! eyes so like I'm all, oh my god uh, until jen said it right now did I make? Cause yes, I read the whole entire book and I I read that name and didn't even dawn on me that it was different than the freaking name on the front of the book. Oh my gosh, I feel silly now. Uh, no, I yeah. mean it's fine. Like I totally no, I mean because the name that. is different. The wife's name is the same uh, as the actual author's wife's name, but that could just be like creative. That's whatever. so true. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh my god. Or whether the author decided to use another stand in place for himself because it creates distance 
yeah. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Ugh. Okay. Edo tells so as I'm us, as I'm reading to get more information of whether this is true or not, um, it, I came across an article that the Guardian wrote uh, in 2019, sharing that uh, Edo Brenes has been named winner of the Observer Cape Comica Graphic Short Story Prize of 2019, and his uh, his entry was Memories from Limon. Oh, nice. Well, this is in a short story. Um, um, yeah, so it's, this it's this, this seems to have been, maybe he took a portion of it out, um, or a chapter or whatever, but uh, mm-hmm. that, that I guess, won this. It was the story of the, let me see. Uh, was it the chicken story? About <laughs> the bicycles, the, the camera, I don't remember. Mm, okay. Uh, I think it's talking about the bicycle, that story. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, the bicycle yeah. that they let, that he borrowed yes. and then they stole. Yeah, and, and then they just, got oh, stolen, was, yeah. I was just like, how How did you not pay for that bicycle? The, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a rally bicycle, I think it was. Anyway, yeah. um, are we ready to actually rate the book? Yes. I mean, after all this. Um, so this is Sarah, and I'm going to rate it like Tres Conchas because I really, really loved it. And it was I, the artwork was amazing. It really complemented the story. And uh, I think the use of color in different types of settings within the storyline that had different years, I thought that was really fabulous. Uh, it really worked for me. And so I'm going to give it Tres Conchas. Ugh, I'm still searching. all right i'll give my rating um i'm gonna give it tres conchas as well and i will i mean for the past couple of books too i have been like very adamant about people discovering their past and i'm gonna stick by that because no matter how messy it is i think people again it doesn't matter how far off you are i think you should always go visit your home country and like even like um, you could say like your grandparents' name or your great grandparents' name, and somebody will know. And depending on how small the village is, too, somebody will know. Like they'll know who your family was, who it is that they that uh, that left or that kept communications or not, and stuff like that. Like you'll always uncover something, or if anything, it's just nice going to see where it is that you originated from, or where you where you come from. I think that's always a good thing. Uh, and I think Memories from Limon does a good job of conveying that. Because even like with the drama that we see towards the end of the book, the uh, the um, uh, Ramiro, as he's called in the book, he did have a good time while he was mm-hmm. there. Uh, and he learned things. Oh, yeah. And I think that, that, I mean, of course, like I said, there's a difference between going like one as a tourist and going as someone who is... Uh, who still has family there. Uh, there's definitely a degree of emotional labor, but I think it's worth it. I think it's worth uh, the price of one uh, knowing where your family comes from, but also like kind of learning why almost your family is the way it is uh, as well. Or like if you ever had any questions and stuff like that, going to the mother country answers a lot of that. <laughs> Whether you know it or not, um, um so definitely three conchas for me. Good job. 
So this is Kristen, and I can't find any definitive answer to whether or not this is autobiographical or not, even though I spent the whole entire entire time reading the book and reviewing it on the first half of this podcast thinking that it was. <laughs> so, um, so now I don't know what to think. My whole entire life has been shattered. Um, but regardless if it is fan fiction or um or not, I also am giving the book three conchas. I just really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, it, it kept me enthralled, uh, even before there was the, the, um, the crazy family secret that we learned. Um, I just enjoyed, uh, reading the story of a person who was going and, um, discovering himself through his family. I really enjoyed that a lot. So um, I give it three quenches. Excellent. That has been our book review. All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have for you guys the... Hold on one moment. (laughs) I am a little bit tipsy. That beer was I've I have finished it all. Did you? And one tasty. Yeah. Oh I yeah, did. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um but it was called Suihira, the City of Water Book One Graphic Novel. It is the print of a fantasy adventure webcomic where Zelius Princess goes on a journey to find the city of a dishonored goddess. So it's by Rihanna Dorsey who is an Eisner and Russ Manning Award-nominated comic artist. Uh, And the book itself is... It's a webcomic, so it's available to read uh, for free. Uh, But it is also being printed. And it is going to be 375 pages uh, in a, a hardcover book. And here's the synopsis that I have for it from the from the Kickstarter page. Um... What is book one of Suhara, the city of water, about? Uh, her whole life, Princess Wahida has prayed for passage to Suhira, the holy city of water lost to time and myth. When the goddess Akia appears before her and declares Wahida to be worthy of her city, the zealous princess doesn't think twice before venturing into the wilderness. However, Princess Wahida quickly finds she needs more than faith to brave the harsh journey. After leaving her father's kingdom, she is greeted by all the desert has to offer. Bandits, liars, and enemies she could never she could have never imagined it. Suihira, the city of water, has been updated weekly since 2014 on Suihira.com. It's appropriate for ages 12 and up for mild profanity, partial nudity, some violence, and intense situation. Book one is the first half of a whole story, but is self-contained and with its own beginning, middle, and end. So, it's going to be a hardcover book. The artwork looks really, really, really good. Uh, currently, it is at, uh, it is 67% funding funded. It's at $16,510 with a pledge uh, goal of $24,500 with 265 backers and about six days to go. Uh, the base pledge starts at a dollar. Which you can like really? just That's to get, uh, yeah, it's just your name on the thank you page. 
uh, for the book. So it's just you like being like, hey, I want to support mm-hmm. it, and you get your name on the. That's like, pretty good though for a dollar to get your name. Yeah, oh, but on the page, <laughs> not the book. Got and, it. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, at ten dollars, you get uh, a Susie pin, which I I think is just uh, a name for. The, the original character. Uh, so you get a pin of that. And at $15, you get the digital PDF version of the book, as well as your name on the thank you page. And at $50, you get the hardcover, for sure. <laughs> and then uh, it keeps going up from there. Um, uh, so you can get the like PDF version of the book for $15, or you can pay $50 to get the hardcover version of the book. Or if you just want to support it, it you can just donate a dollar. And it's called Suihira, uh, S-U-I-H-I-R-A, The City of Water on Kickstarter. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So, if you remember all the way back three or four segments ago, I talked about what was on my radar, which was the secret war on the history of weed and um, mentioned that the proceeds, um, some of the proceeds from that book are going towards nonprofit organizations that help um, people who were incarcerated uh, for weed drug offenses uh, in states where now the... uh, where now weed is legal. And so um, one, the project, one of the projects that that book's proceeds are going to is called Last Prisoner Project. And the Last Prisoner Project is a nonprofit organization dedicated to cannabis criminal justice reform. It was founded in 2019 out of the belief that if anyone is able to profit and build wealth in the legal cannabis industry, those individuals must also work to release and rebuild the lives of those who have suffered from cannabis criminalization. So in a lot of states, uh, California as well, where uh, the use of cannabis is now recreationally legal, there are a lot of people in jail who are there um, due to cannabis um, laws that were in place back in the day. Now, it makes no sense to people in this organization and others that somebody who is now in jail for something that is no longer illegal should continue being in jail. So this organization and others like it work to free those people. Uh, and uh, if you whether if you didn't know it, um, the Numbers of people in prison for these petty drug charges are disproportionately brown and black. So um, definitely, and behind this mission 100%, um, their mission specifically uh, is to utilize a three-pronged approach to securing full freedom for the communities uh, they serve through intervention, advocacy, and awareness campaigns. They work to redress the past 
past and continuing harms of the unjust laws and policies. So you can find out more about Last Prisoner Project at lastprisonerproject.org and you can um, actually donate there as well or even volunteer. Uh, And if you, like I said, if you buy that book, your money is also going towards um, this and other organizations like it. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that sounds so amazing. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out today to birthday boy, Javier Hernandez. <laughs> yes, today is his birthday, 4-23-2022. He is the creator of El Muerto. And I believe they just celebrated the 25th anniversary. And he just got a shipment of an 80-page I giant El Muerto that. Origins book. And that book is going to be available for sale. And you can get it signed by the creator as well at the Latino Comics Expo and that's happening um that is happening and they're also celebrating a 10 year anniversary but that is actually happening on April 30th and May 1st and it's at the MOLA which is the Museum of Latin American Art. So we're super excited. We are also going to be there. So it's going to be a great time for all. But special, special saludos to Javier Hernandez. Thank you so much for being a... a fan of our show and also like a supporter of Comadres y Comics, uh, como el, el, uh, el godfather, el padrino de Comadres y <laughs> Comics. Thank you so much for all your support and just happy birthday to you, sir. It has been an honor for us to know you and to just have worked with you in other events and stuff. So thank you so much and saludos goes out to you, sir. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm so sorry. You can follow Javier <laughs> and all his amazing comic book stuff at an Instagram on Javier Los Comics. That's Javier, traditional spelling, L-O-S-C-O-M-E-X. And that's on Instagram. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us, girls? You can find us at www.comadrescomics.com where you'll find links to all of our social media and you can even send us messages which we keep getting more and more messages I notice and I'm so excited in fact I meant to mention to you that there's messages that we need to read and um, respond to so keep sending messages we love to hear what you have to say and we will definitely get back to you just be patient um, and uh, you can email us through our website or at comadrescomics at gmail.com. Yes, also remember we do Las Platicas on our YouTube channel. So just search Comadres y Comics Podcast on YouTube and you can see all the wonderful people we've interviewed so far. Uh, the latest episode was with Nathaniel Osoyo, who his Kickstarter has about two more weeks to go. So please do go ahead and listen to that amazing interview where you could get inspired and then go ahead and back that project on Kickstarter. Again, that's Comadres y Comics Podcast on YouTube where we do amazing interviews called Las Platicas with amazing creators. And that has been our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.
And that's on period. Network. <laughs>